We want to read from John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 49 through 53, I believe. You get there? This is one little snippet in the midst of a much larger conversation, uh, argument, discussion, whatever you want to call it, dialogue that Jesus has with the Pharisees, with the Jews there. And uh, they are not pleased with him, and he's not especially pleased with them. He's already said that they're of their father, the devil. Whew, that's, you know, how to win friends and influence people, right? We pick up one little part, and we want to see how uh, important it is to pay attention to words. So listen here to God's word. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham, who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Amen. Good questions. Good, good things to think about there. Now turn to Acts chapter 2, if you'd like to. We have select, SV means selected verses. I'll tell you what those verses are. One is tempted, of course, to read the entire thing. But I know better than to do that. So we'll read verses 22 and 23. We'll read 32 and 33. Then we'll read 36 through 39. So that's what we're going to do. This is on the day of Pentecost. Uh, it's been 10 days since Jesus ascended to heaven. We talked about the ascension last Sunday. It's been 10 days since then. The disciples have been in seclusion in this upper room among other places, but primarily there. And while they're there, amazing thing happens. The Holy Spirit falls on them, tongues of fire on their head. Uh, they speak with other tongues. Crowds, thousands of people gather around, and Peter stands up and preaches to them. This guy who had just a few days earlier, a few weeks earlier, had denied even knowing Jesus, now speaks and preaches to them. So listen here to God's Word. Peter said, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Therefore, <clears throat> let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent. And each of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, 
as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Amen. Then our primary text today, you know, this summer we're preaching and reading our way through Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 2. It's the second Sunday. Again, it says SV selected verses. I'll tell you what those verses are. We're going to read verse 1. Then we're going to read verse 8b. That is the last part of verse 8 through verse 11. And then we're going to read verses 14 through 18. The book of Hebrews is all about who Jesus is compared to angels, compared to the law, all kinds of things like that. But this is about Jesus. Listen here to God's Word. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For in subjecting all things to Him, He left nothing that is not subject to Him, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to Him. But we do see him who was made for a little while, lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies And those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant, to the seed of Abraham." Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able also to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Gracious God. We ask for you to minister to us today through the word preached. Thank you for the way we've been able to minister through song, through the reading of Scripture, through fellowship. But Lord, we pray for your presence and ministry here among us through the word preached. We ask through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lord of all. Amen. Andy, why don't you throw up that first slide I have for us today. One of the first songs I learned after my conversion was a little Scripture course from Psalm 34 and included verse 8. Uh, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And that became a, remember I said the song he puts in our heart? Well, that was one of the first ones I, I learned, and it was in my heart. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. How blessed are those are the one who takes refuge in him. Uh, if part B is not true, then you can't experience part A. If you don't take refuge in him, You'll never taste and see that the Lord is good. It's one of the things you want to learn about that. This is a great spiritual truth. We need to take refuge in the Lord. It's a verse, it's a a thought, it's an idea, it's, it's a truth upon which to build one's life. And it's a truth, a foundation, which you can learn more fully about, learn more deeply throughout the, all the days of your life. There's no point in your life, no matter where you are, how old you are, how young you are, that that verse 
is not a, applicable to you. So I want to encourage you to, to think about that. Uh, words matter. And so you can see early on, I was thinking about tasting and seeing. Now in our text from, from uh, John 8, we'll see the words matter. Uh, in fact, the words taste and see particularly matter. So Andy, why don't you put up the next slide? Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Hmm. Uh, never see death. But what was it that they heard? What did they repeat back to him? What's the next slide say? There we go. The Pharisees say, you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Now, those two words are not equivalent. They messed up. It caused problems. And I don't want us to get messed up with this either. Jesus said one thing. They said he said another thing. They thought they were accurately representing what he said, but they were not. Uh, what is wrong with it? The word see, the, the way Jesus uses it there, is the word means to predominate your life. That It's the light through which you see all of reality around you. If you keep my words, you will never see death. Death will not be the overarching thing that's going to concern you. You'll see the Word of God. There'll be something else there. Whereas taste, taste means to experience, to practically uh, chew it up, if you would. Uh, it's to, the way they use it, experience mortal death. Jesus never said that someone would not die in that sense. We're all going to die. It's the point for men to die, and then comes the judgment, right? Hebrews 9, 27. Uh, we're all going to point to die, but we're not to see death. Now, there's, what's going on here? Uh, and, and how do you know? You're sitting there, you say, well, gee, preacher, that's good for you to say, but I don't believe you. You've not talked long enough. You've not, well, I can talk longer if you want, uh, <laughs> but you've not explained it well enough. I don't believe that's the case. Well, I'm going to have Andy put up a next slide where earlier in John chapter 8, in the same dialogue, he said, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the sea. Do you see? The light of life. You, you, all of life is suffused with this wonderful light that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ with his word, his truth, his, who he is, and what the scriptures say, who God is. He says, I'm the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Well, he says something else. And he put up the next one that compares it. He says this, unless you believe that I am he, I'm the one, I'm the promise, unless you believe that, you will die in your sins. That's a hard and harsh word. It's a practical word. And we all need to be concerned about that because we're all going to die. We're all going to shuffle off this mortal coil. He says, unless you believe that I am, this is in that same John 8 passage, we did read it all. Unless you believe that I am, that Jesus is the Christ, the promise, you'll die in your sins. That's pretty powerful stuff. I would suggest to you that everyone believes we're going to die. There's 
all kind of different ways people believe that and respond to that simple truth. And most of the ways people believe about it are in error. Remember the beer commercial? You only live once, grab for the gusto. Remember that? That's a great ad. That's true. Well, let's grab for the gusto. But behind that ad is the reality that death looms. So you better get it now, right? Another one, people say, well, heaven is for good people. Good people, when they die, go to heaven. So let's be good. That's wrong. If you believe that, that's a major error in your life. No one goes to heaven because they're good. Just doesn't happen. Why not? Because you're not good enough. And I could sit here and I could start picking things out that I know about all you guys that would disqualify you. How's that? <laughs> and you can point to me and say, I know about John, what would disqualify him if he's going to go to heaven because he's being good, right? Yeah, don't say it so affirmatively like that. <laughs> but it's a major error. But it, it has this notion that we're going to die. And then there's this notion that, well, Jesus died for all. So all will be saved. So it's okay, let's just make life as much enjoyable as we can for, for everyone around us. That likewise is a great, great error. And many, many people, including Christian people, believe that. That Jesus died for all, so all are going to be saved. Now I'd like to suggest that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is really could be considered as an extension or an elaboration upon uh, John 8, 51, where Jesus said that uh, those who keep his words uh, will never see death. So there's some key words in Hebrews that we want to look at. We want to look at seeing and tasting. So would you put up the first next slide that we have here? This passage in Hebrews that says, He left nothing that is not subject to Him, but now we do not see all things subjected to Him. Now, there's some debate among people whether the He there refers to just mankind or the Lord Jesus Christ. And it appropriately refers to both. It's a quote from Psalm 8. You know, all things are under our feet. You know, we're the, we're the apex of God's creation. But Jesus is the quintessential man. He's the, the last Adam. And uh, do that. It says, there's nothing not subject to him, whether it be mankind or Christ, but now we do not see all things subjected to him. We just had a wind and tornado storm whip through our area that we couldn't stop. We were subject to it. We weren't, it was not subject to us. Do you realize that? And if you live life long enough and are reflective enough, you'll realize there's a lot of things we don't really have control over. And likewise, we don't see everything subject to Christ. There are people walking in open, willful rebellion against Christ. So, that's what we see in the here and now, but there's another verse that comes right after that. What does it say there? But we do see Him, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. 
we do see, we do see Jesus high and lifted up, His train fills the temple, Isaiah 6 passages like that. Uh, we see Him filled with glory and honor. That's what the ascension was about, right? Jesus is lifted up, He's enthroned in heaven. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Why is He that? Because He tasted death for everyone. He tasted, that is He experienced, not just mortal death, but real death. Uh, now we need to see why this, what this is. In verse 10 it says, for it was fitting for Him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Now I want to, what does it mean for it was fitting for Jesus to suffer? Why? So that He might become the captain, the author of salvation. That's the whole point of this. The threat of death, the threat of judgment day is very, very real. Most people put it off. We don't, we don't want to think about that. It's too fearful to think about, so we put it off. Some see this and some don't. I often think of, have you ever been like this? I've done bad things before, things I knew I was going to get in trouble for, and I need to go talk to the authority. And I had my mind all made up, here's what I'm going to say, da, 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 da. And then when I get there, the authority, this doesn't always happen, sometimes I get away with it, but sometimes the authority is so awe-inspiring, so intimidating, so forceful that I feel I don't have anything to say. Now may I say to you, we all can be clever and make excuses and have all kinds of reasons for what we do, but when we stand before God, on judgment day, we will be speechless. We will not have any excuses that we'll even want to utter and say, because the purity, the holiness, the truthfulness of God will shine and will be utterly undone. What can we say? We have no excuse. And so everyone needs to see the just and the inevitable judgment of God on the day of Pentecost. Did you hear? I read just the, the salient points where Peter preached and uh, he talked about this as well. He keeps, he keeps using that little word, you. He's preaching to these guys, he says, you, 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 you. He's bringing it home. He says, you need to hear this. You were the one guilty. <clears throat> and he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christ died according to the preordained plan of God, the predetermined plan and foreordained plan of God. It was God's plan that he should die. But <laughs> that does not clear the people who killed him. He says, he was put to death by godless men on your orders, on your account. You guys are the one who did this. All through there, he uses the word you, pointing to them. Uh, may I say that, that you refers to you and me, insofar as we do not take refuge in Christ, in him. Insofar as we say, essentially to Jesus, you are expendable. It's nice, and you did all these things and all that, told stories and healed people, but you're expendable as far as I am concerned. If you think that, you have a fearful day of awakening coming when you stand before God. Jesus is not expendable. He's absolutely 
necessary. He must be our refuge. He must be your refuge. And so it says it was fitting for God to do this. Why? Because Jesus took on flesh and blood. He became like us. He became human, truly human, still God. Two natures, one person, our bread here. Two types of bread, one loaf. Pictures the Lord Jesus Christ in his humanity and in his divinity. He was tempted like we are. He was tired like we become. He was let down by others. In fact, not just let down, but at times he was betrayed by others. That's suffering. But he looked, he took refuge in God. He banked on the goodness of God. God knows what's going on and God intends good for me. And so what did he do? Verses 9 and 17 that we read, he tasted death. Verse 9 says he tasted death. Verse 17, it says that he tasted death as well. Now how did he do this? The word that's used is propitiation. Can you put propitiation up there for us? Propitiation. That's a big, long word, right? I like what Bob Mumford used to say. He said, I know another big, long word like that. has lots of syllables called delicatessen. <laughs> we know what delicatessen means. We don't always know what propitiation means, right? Propitiation means to satisfy the just wrath of God, to pay in full, to pay completely. When he tasted death for all, he did in fact bear the just, that was the second death, the, the fullness of death of what we've, the just judgment of God, he, he experienced that poured out on him. And he did it not just for the Jews, he did it for everyone. Red and yellow, black and white, Right? We sung that song as a kid? Yeah. All nations. There's no nation that we can go to. There's no people group we can go to. There's no type of person we can go to that Christ did not taste death for them. So we can go with confidence and say, Christ died for folk just like you. Repent and believe for the promises for you. In other words, we preach what was preached on Pentecost by Peter. Now there they had Jews from all around the world, but they're all Jews. The burden of the book of Acts and the burden of the New Testament is that, that God, that God reaches out to the whole world and calls us to himself. And so what happened on the day of Pentecost? They tasted and saw that God was good. They took, brethren, what can we do? Our, our hearts are pierced. What can we do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized. They were. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. They, they took refuge in the Lord. They tasted and saw their whole world was changed. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. 
and they became part of his people. That is, they saw him lifted high and crowned with glory and honor. They know that he is Lord. You cannot taste and see Jesus rightly without knowing that he is Lord. I want you to stand with me. Stand up where you are. We're going to sing acapella. He is Lord. We all know that, right? Let's sing sing it to the the Lord Jesus. Ready? Here we go. He is Lord. 